Hello there. Hello there. And uh, let me say Happy New Year to all of those who are joining us as far as our first Bible study of 2022. We thank God for the wonderful opportunity to be able to assemble on this side of a new year. And it's something that um, I don't take for granted. And I pray that those that are joining us don't take for granted as well. So uh, welcome to our uh, 2022 uh, Bible study as far as uh, Thursday teachings are concerned. And thank you all. I see you all uh, populating the chat as far as greetings are concerned. And I thank God for each and every one of you who uh, is joining us as far as uh, Bible study is concerned. I want to do a couple of things uh, before uh, we get started. Uh, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians. We're going to do a series of studies on the letter that Paul wrote uh, to Galatia. And I want to unpack this with some sense of, of meaning because I think it's uh, a wonderful uh, blessing to us as far as being able to study this particular book. So Galatians uh, chapter one, we're going to look at the first 10 verses. Uh, but before we get ready to drill down and pull apart those verses. Let me just say that um, this uh, weekend, as far as in-person worship is concerned, we will not have in-person worship on Sunday morning. The weather is going to be looking rather uh, hazardous, and I don't want to take the chance of having anybody trying to come to church on Sunday morning, particularly with uh, snow and ice. We're going to do in-person worship on Saturday night. In-person worship will take place on Saturday night at seven o'clock. In-person worship at St. Paul Church will take place on Saturday night at seven o'clock. So anyone that wants to join us for in-person worship, and of course we'll be streaming this on all of our platforms, we're going to have church on Saturday night. So we want you to share with family and friends and others um, that you know that uh, for St. Paul, we're going to have in-person worship on this Saturday night. And so I wanted to let you all know that. Uh, and this is due to uh, the potential for a uh, winter storm that's uh, expected to hit us late Saturday night early Sunday morning with uh, a high possibility of not only snow, but also ice. And uh, that's just something that we need to be aware of. So uh, that being said, and I'll, of course, uh, reiterate this at the end of our uh, Bible study as far as our time is concerned today. That being said, uh, Galatians chapter one, we want to look at verses one through 10, and we want to uh, unpack this with uh, great intentionality <clears throat> as far as our time together is concerned. And if you would, um, I'm going to ask that uh, as I go through it, if you would highlight and underline and even circle some words and phrases that hopefully will uh, stick out to you that it, the way it does to me, that we can really drill down on that, okay? All right. So Galatians chapter one, 
starting at uh, verse one. And it reads like this, Paul an apostle. And if you would underline that, Paul an apostle, encircle the word apostle. Not from man or through man, but through Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. If you would highlight that phrase through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Verse two, and all the brethren who are with me, underline the brethren who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, verse three, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, if you would highlight that whole verse, who gave himself for our sins. Uh, if you would highlight uh, who gave himself for our sins and circle the word our sins, that he might deliver us from this present age. Uh, if you would highlight that phrase, deliver us from this present evil age. According to the will of God, our father. According to the will of our God and father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse six, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I want you to highlight all of verse six. And I want you to circle the words different gospel. Verse seven, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. If you would underline the phrase, want to pervert the gospel of Christ. In verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel to you, then what we preach to you, let them be a curse. If you would underline the phrase, let him be a curse. So we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be a curse. All right. Again, on the line of phrase, let him be a curse. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? But if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. If you would highlight the phrase for if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. <clears throat> okay. There's a lot to unpack as far as this passage is concerned. And I want to be very intentional as far as going verse by verse to hopefully and prayerfully share with you some wonderful insights that I believe will bless you as far as this particular time of study is concerned. And I want to focus on several things. I want to focus on, first of all, God, second of all, grace, and then finally, gospel. So those are the three G's I'm going to be looking at today. God, grace, and the gospel.
I mean, I talk about God, I'm talking about the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. God, grace, and the gospel. Okay? All right. And I think that this is very important as we prepare to move forward as far as this time of study is concerned, because when you look at Paul's writing to the church at Galatia, um, usually whenever Paul would greet uh, a church, uh, he would always uh, greet them with an expression of thanksgiving. He would always be lifting up praise for the believers and uh, would hold them in high and, and wonderful esteem. The interesting thing as far as this gathering is concerned is that Paul does not do any of that with the church at Galatia. And it blows my mind that he fails to do that. But I believe that there is a reason why he fails to do that. And part of that reason is that this church is in some serious trouble when it comes to um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to unpack that. So when we look at it, Paul in verse one says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul wants us to understand that he had always had to deal with trying to substantiate who he was as far as being an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, of course, was not one of the original 12 apostles that had, that had the wonderful opportunity to hang out with Jesus while he was alive here on earth. He was not one of the uh, original apostles who saw Jesus alive in flesh and blood, all right? But Paul claims equal status with the original 12 because the word apostle denotes authority and it refers to a person who really has the right to speak for God as God's representative or delegate. Now, <clears throat> who was it that called Paul to be an apostle? If you know the story of Paul, you will understand that Paul had an encounter with Jesus on what we call the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter nine, Paul is on his way to persecute the church. And while he's on his way to persecute the church, he has an encounter with the resurrected Lord on that road to Damascus. And in that encounter, God basically, through Jesus Christ, uh, humbles him through blindness, as well as initiating a call for him to join him as far as the spreading of the gospel is concerned. So Paul always had to verify his apostolic credentials because he was called directly by Jesus Christ on that dusty road to Damascus. Now, one of the things that we have to understand is that his uh, uh, apostolic authority is not connected to the Christians at Jerusalem or to the Christians at Antioch. Uh, it does not come from uh, uh, Peter, uh, James, and John. This comes directly from Jesus Christ. It doesn't even come 
with Barnabas, who played a major role in opening the doors for Paul to do ministry in both Jerusalem and Antioch, it comes directly from God. It is the only mentioning of Jesus Christ in this epistle as far as the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it was through the resurrected Christ that Paul basically gets his divine assignment. So <clears throat> it helps us to understand that um, you got to be verified, especially whenever you're trying to do something for the Lord, that you need to be verified, not, not necessarily by man, but you need to be verified by God. Now, notice the flow of the text. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him, the him is Jesus Christ, from the dead. <clears throat> from the dead. From the dead. So he is, in all intents and purposes, reminding the fact that um, Jesus Christ is alive. He has been resurrected from the dead and that God is doing something wonderful as far as Paul is concerned. So <clears throat> understand that as we navigate through this particular text, that Paul is holding up the aspect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as he holds up the aspect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he is letting us know that there are also some other folks who he's wanting to give a shout out to as far as the work of ministry is concerned. All right. So in verse two, he says, and all the brethren who are what? With me. All the brethren who are with me. So when we talk about all the brethren who, who are with me, he got a whole lot of folks that he's got to give a major shout out to. So if you decide to ever check that out, go to Acts chapter three, I mean, 13 rather, and look at verse one, and you will see that there are several people whom he mentions. Uh, there's Barnabas, there's Simon, who was called Niger, who many considered to be uh, a dark-skinned African. Lucius of Cyrene, again, a dark-skinned African. Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And of course, Saul. So at Antioch, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and of course, Paul are all mentioned at doing work as far as the church at Antioch or the Christians at Antioch are concerned. That being said, uh, again, as Paul is writing this letter, he does not give the normal salutation, but he goes in to the churches at Galatia. Now, there's something that, that, that we got to understand why Paul is doing what he's doing, because shortly after all of these men had returned to Antioch, there were some Jewish Christians who arrived from Judea, went to the church at Antioch, 
with his missionaries and they started diluting the Christian message um, uh, and they were challenging Paul's authority as an apostle. Uh, they did not agree with Paul's teaching that the Gentiles did not have to follow certain religious laws that the Jews had obeyed for centuries. This is known as the Judaizers. And it's very important for us to know about the Judaizers because the Judaizers started basically adding things to the requirement of salvation. In other words, the Judaizers were Jewish Christians who had, uh, who believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they also said, but uh, we believe in Jesus, but you also got to keep the law of Moses, right? We believe in Jesus, but you also got to keep the law of Moses. And interestingly, the law of Moses, particularly for the men, and this is where it gets real, real crazy, is that they had to be circumcised. So the Judaizers were saying, if you really want to be a Christian, and if you really want to follow Jesus, men, you have to be circumcised. Now, the majority of Gentiles were not circumcised. So you're telling me that in an age where there's no, first of all, anesthesia, <laughs> and also in an age where there's no uh, uh, good cutting tools to do this stuff, you want me to be circumcised? Uh-uh, no. So these Judaizers were putting the law over the grace of salvation. So this is where I really want to drill down and, 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 and hopefully and prayerfully help us to appreciate uh, what God has done for us as far as 2022 is concerned. Because Paul had to encounter uh, two forms of, 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 of Jewish attitudes toward the law. And I would say that they're still apparent today. One is legalism, legalism, legalism. And we've all heard about legalism, okay? But legalism is our human attempt to gain God's favor with dedication and obedience. In other words, through legalism, if I keep the law, if I keep the commandments, if I uh, do all the dietary laws, then that gives me God's favor and makes me good with God. Okay, that's legalism. So in Paul's time, many Jewish Christians believe that faithful adherence to the law makes them good with God. However, it was also the belief back then that if you disobeyed one law, you disobeyed all the laws. All right. Now, back then, they had at least 616, depending on how you count, anywhere between 613, 616, and 616 different laws, religious, dietary, uh, cultural laws that as a Jew, they were expected to follow. 
And it ranged from what they could and should eat to what they should wear to the Ten Commandments uh, to even how uh, men ought to interact with their wives, husbands ought to interact with their wives during the time of menstruation. It, was, it, it, it came down to everything like that. All right. So back during Paul's time, Jews and many Jewish Christians believe that they had to adhere to the law. In today's time, without realizing it, many of us think that we can win God's approval through obedience and dedication and full-time Christian service and um, uh, academic study and volunteering and doing ministry at the church. As a matter of fact, some of us try to be saved by working our way to heaven. And can I tell you, that's not how it works. You and I cannot do enough work to get saved. Now I'm getting ready to drop this on us for free. I hope this blesses us. You don't work to get saved. You don't do ministry to get saved. You don't obey to get saved. You don't give tithes and offerings to get saved. You don't do mission work to get saved. You do all of that stuff, what? Because you are saved. Okay? You do all of that stuff because you are saved. All right? You, you, you do that as a sign of your growth and development through the process of sanctification under the rubric of discipleship. All right? I, I hope I'm helping somebody. Because if you do all that stuff trying to get saved, you're going to become frustrated, you become bitter, and you're going to become resentful because, unfortunately, with our saved selves, we still mess up and we still fall short and we still fail to meet the standard. Well, at least I know I do. Okay? All right. So here, 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 here's here, here's what I want to 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 hopefully bless us with as we move forward. You and I got to learn how to obey God and do it freely out of love and gratitude and a sense of forgiveness, and that requires the Holy Spirit prompting and propelling and pushing us to do what God wants us to do. Our dedicated service does not remove sin and our dedicated service does not make us right with God and our dedicated service does not give us grace. So why do it? Because you've been exposed to grace. So why do it? Because God has forgiven you. So why do it? Because God has saved you from your sin. That's why we do what we do. We don't do it to gain God's favor. We do it because we already have God's favor. Hopefully I am making some things. So you and I, we have to deal with one aspect, which is legalism. Legalism. I want to drop this on us. There's another ism we need to deal with, and I want to call it labelism. Labelism. Yeah, labelism. You know, a label, a title, labelism. And labelism is <laughs> the pride of ownership by having the right religion. Okay. In other words, um, the Jews back then saw their commitment to the law as a badge of ownership 
because the law was given to Moses. And of course, they carried that law. And let's be honest, by the time that Jesus comes to earth and by the time that Paul is called to do Christian ministry, they so willy-nilly with the law, it's not even funny. They only used the law to uh, put people in a trick bag when they wanted to catch somebody doing wrong. But I want to go with this idea of labelism because for them, it was about performance. Okay? And if I perform well, or if I'm connected to the right religion, then God's going to have favor on me. And so they saw the adherence to the law as being connected to God. But it's very apparent that when you read the writings of the prophets, you will see that God says, you know what? I'm sick and tired of your worship. I'm sick and tired of you bringing offerings. I'm sick and tired of you doing ABC because y'all are doing that, but your heart ain't right. Your heart is not right. So labelism. Now, how does that translate to 2022? I'm so glad you asked because unfortunately in today's culture, we do the same thing. Um, uh, there are some people who think that if you're not Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Pentecostal, uh, if you don't have the right religious view, if you're not part of a particular church, then basically uh, you're not saved and you demean others who don't hold your particular view. Now, I'm getting ready to say something that may upset a whole lot of folks that are watching me right now, but I think I can say this without hesitation or mental reservation. There is no denomination that gets everything right. Because even us Baptists got some, some screwed up stuff when it comes to our understanding of God, relationship, and how to do church. I didn't stutter. Let me say that again. Even us as Baptists don't get it all right. All right. Uh, so that's why I am so careful. Why I am so careful not to demean nor degrade other, watch this, Christian denominations that go back to the understanding of the resurrected Christ. Because unfortunately, in today's culture, we major in the minor and we minor in the major. All right? Not, 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 not no Baptist church, no Methodist church, no Catholic church gets everything right. All right? Okay, okay. Now, I'm gonna tell you one thing that I'm gonna do here at St. Paul. And I've been trying to do it ever since I've been here. And of course, my predecessors before have tried to do the same thing. I'm going to make sure that I teach you the best that I can as far as doctrine and belief and understanding. Because if you don't know what you believe, you'll do anything. And part of the problem of why so many people fall away from the church, the Christian church particularly, is because they have no clue of why they believe what they, what they believe. This is why... I, 
I teach what I call our new member class, Christian education orientation, because we deal with the basics. We deal with the core. And the core goes back to the person and personality of Jesus Christ as being the crucified and resurrected Savior. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Let me say it again. That's the gospel. And I'm getting ready to, to type into that in just a moment. All right. So unfortunately, you know, there are some people who say, well, you know, uh, let me just throw out St. Paul. If you ain't part of St. Paul, you, 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 ain't, you, you, you ain't really saved. That ain't true. All right. Um, um, uh, but you do need to go to a church that at least believe that Jesus got up from the dead. <laughs> All right. And, and so, like I said, we major in the minor and we minor in, in the major. And what winds up happening because of labelism, we become prideful, smug, and self-righteous. Okay, we become prideful, smug, and self-righteous. So this is what I want to drill down to you when it comes to this issue of what I call labelism. We have to understand that what Jesus Christ did on the cross becomes the pathway to our salvation. And we accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross by faith. Now, interestingly, in today's culture, there are some people in some seminaries and some churches that do not believe in the substitutionary atoning death of Jesus Christ. That's another gospel. That's another gospel. Let me say that again. That's another gospel. As a matter of fact, there, there are some pastors and preachers who have so much issue with Paul because Paul was writing from the cultural ethos of his day that they don't know how to properly exegete and apply the writings of Paul into 2022. Okay? So they, there are people who want to even dismiss the writings of Paul from their biblical understanding when it comes to a theological undergirding. In other words, here it is. We'll take everything that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said, and maybe Acts, but we're going to dismiss Paul. Paul lays really the doctrinal foundation for over 2,000 years history of the Christian church. But now there's some folks that want to dismiss that. And in fact, they are worse than the Judaizers. Okay. Let, 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 let me get on, let me get on with, with this. So, so Paul so Paul is, is, is writing to, to the church at Galatia. And like I said, usually Paul would give this wonderful greeting, you know, thanking God for, for all that, that this church has done as far as the work is concerned. But he doesn't even do that in this text. He starts off by saying to the church at Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. He puts God and Jesus Christ together. 
He says, who gave himself for our what? Sins. Who gave himself for our sins. All right. Let, let, let me say that one more time. Who gave himself for our sins. All right. Paul has some inkling that there is this intrinsic, intricate connection, equality aspect with God, the Father slash creator and Jesus Christ, Son slash Savior. All right. And, and what I love about how Paul navigates this particular moment is that Paul wants us to understand that I'm getting ready to read y'all the riot act. But before I read y'all the riot act, I kind of want to soften this blow. Grace was the Greek word for a greeting. Peace was the Jewish word for a greeting. So he puts these two words together, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our what? Sins. Going back to the very aspect that Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary what we could not do for ourselves. And, and, and then notice what it says. Gave himself for our sins. That's one thing. That he, Jesus, might deliver us from this what? Present evil age. From this present evil age. Now, when we talk about this present evil age, what we got to understand is, and I want you to hear something, this present evil age or deliver us from this present evil age is a liberation motif. Now, for people who want to say that liberation theology ain't got nothing to do with the gospel, Paul picks up on this theme right here. Jesus talks about it in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 20. But Paul picks up on this theme right here, that he might what? Deliver us from this present evil age, which means that the gospel should be a message of freedom, of liberation, of emancipation. It delivers the sinner from the power of the present world system through the Holy Spirit indwelling in us as well as delivering us from eternal judgment. So, so really what Paul is saying is that the gospel has the capacity to liberate us from the present evil age even of world systems that try to hold us hostage and keep us from being what God through Christ intended for us to be. I hope I'm helping somebody here. All right. Now, check this out. Jesus died for whose sin? 
our sins. Jesus didn't die for his sins because Jesus didn't have any sin. Jesus died for what? Our sin that he what? Might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, of our God and Father. All right? Now, I, I, I want you, if you don't get nothing else, I want you to understand this flow. Jesus Christ died on the cross, not for his sins, but for our sins, all right? That he might deliver us from this present evil age. That you and I, when we understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins, it is only when we make that connection that he took our place on a hill called Calvary, died for our sins. It was voluntary. It was substitutionary. It was the ultimate sacrifice. He didn't have to do it. He decided to do it so he could deliver us from the oppression of the present evil age as far as world systems and structures are concerned, be it religious, governmental, or cultural, according to the will of God the Father. In other words, it is God's desire for us to be what? Authentically free. I just want that to sit for a moment. All right, because that rescue mission that Jesus came on, we do live. Listen, this word was written nearly 2,000 years ago and it's still applicable right now. We're in an evil age in 2022. You just look at what's happening around us the violence, dealing with sickness, uh, all the things, COVID. Oh, God. I mean, all this stuff is just crazy. It's evil. And we got to admit that without Jesus Christ, without Jesus Christ, damn, can you take care of that? Uh, delete that, please. And block that. We have to admit that without Christ, our sins, our sins, have enslaved us and keeps us trapped in, in, in this evil age. And, and, and we got to confess our willing participation in sin and our inability to save ourselves. Because don't you think that if you could have saved yourself from sin, you would have done that a long time ago? Unless you enjoy your sin. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh which means that there has to be an internal change as far as not only our heart, but also our mind. And then we got to accept the love that God has for us and how he provided Jesus Christ to help us get through this. Okay? So here's where I really want to drill down because I want you to understand that Jesus Christ giving himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age does not remove us from the world. Just because you're saved, just because you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't get translated to heaven. You still got to deal with this world. 
You still got to deal with crazy family members. You still got to deal with people potentially stabbing you in your back. You still got to deal with uh, a, a culture that don't care about God nor Jesus Christ. You, you, you are still in the world. So my acceptance of Jesus Christ or this idea of deliverance, thank you, God, is of the sense that you and I do not have an escape route from the everyday hurts, pains, and sufferings of reality. All right? We don't have that escape route. It doesn't work like that. But the way it does work is that you and I do have the blessed assurance that God will, in some shape, form, or fashion, empower us to navigate through our current reality. So guess what? Just like the present evil age of Paul's time was the Greco-Roman world, uh, they had murder and adultery and military oppression and economic instability and the poor. Uh, there were two classes, the poor and the wealthy. Uh, unfortunately, we, we have the same thing going on in today's culture. But 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 then notice how how Paul says, uh, uh, "To whom be glory forever and ever." And, and as I get ready to make transition to to Paul's uh, real reason for writing this letter, he wants us to understand that God, throughout the movement of Jesus Christ in salvific history to deliver us from our sins and this present age ultimately brings God glory. All I'm trying to let you know, it is God's desire for you and I to be free. It is God's desire for you and I to be free. Let's look at verses 6 through 10. And um, let's really drill down on this. Because Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. To a different gospel. Now, Remember earlier, I talked about the Judaizers and I talked about how they were telling the people at Galatia that if you really want to be a Christian, particularly men, you got to be circumcised. Everybody else, you need to keep the Jewish law in order to be a Christian. And Paul said, how did you let this get to you so soon? How are you letting this impact your reality as far as what I've shared with you, all right? He is blown away. Now, notice when you see that word turning away so soon from him, that, that's a military term. That's not only a theological departure. Paul is saying, you all are acting like a bunch of heretics. The understanding of turning away is really a military term that means you're deserting your post. In other words, you're going a wall. 
you're going AWOL. Okay? Now, here, here's where I want to drill down because Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel. To a different gospel. Now, apparently Paul had gotten news that the Galatians were embracing the Judaizers and it broke his heart. And usually whenever Paul would greet a church, he would always thank God for the people in that church. Okay? When the Corinthians, even as crazy morally as they were, that he had set them straight. He thanked God for the Corinthians and he thanked God for the Ephesians and he thanked God for the Philippians and he thanked God for the Colossians and he thanked God for the Thessalonians, but he does not thank God for the Galatians. No words of thanksgiving opens up this letter. <laughs> Paul just says, I am blown away. I marvel. I am stunned. I'm astonished. I can hardly believe what I'm hearing that you all are turning away so soon. I was just there. You all are turning away so soon from the gospel that I've shared with you. Y'all are messing up, messing me up and breaking my heart. You're throwing aside grace and trying to earn salvation. And it doesn't work like that. It, it, it doesn't flow like that. The Judaizers were inviting these Christians to desert the kingdom of Christ for service in a kingdom where there's no grace. And where there's no grace, there's no hope. And where there's no hope, there's no faith. And where there's no faith, there's no sense of authentic love. So these false teachers, and this is why you got to be careful of, to whom you listen to. And the unfortunate reality is that in this time of, and I want to be careful how I say this, in this time of social media, and guess what? I'm keenly aware that the disciples of St. Paul, I am not the only person feeding you. I am keenly aware that you all have other people you listen to other people you turn to and I'll be honest it creates confusion because I'm saying one thing then you picking up something else and you're trying to make two fit and it doesn't work it doesn't work let me say it again it doesn't work and and the same thing Paul was dealing with then the same thing I'm dealing with now okay so so you, you you'll listen to me in Bible study on Thursday then you may turn to somebody else and listen to them Friday. And then on Sunday morning, you may listen to me at 10 and you may listen to three or four other preachers who are totally different theologically, doctrinally from what I'm sharing. And you become utterly confused. <laughs> so you got to be careful and you got to understand who, who you're going to subscribe to. Because some of these folks that, that are sharing some stuff, it ain't the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's so out of whack. 
doctrinally and theologically. Okay? Because I'm not preaching a gospel of prosperity, name it, claim it, nab it, grab it, get it, get it. It doesn't work like that. And there's some people who are looking for that. So while I'm trying to maintain theological and doctrinal and biblical integrity, while I'm trying to maintain um, uh, being true to what scripture says rather than me trying to make scripture say something that it ain't meant to say and to support uh, different things of the culture that is not meant to support. There are those who will turn to other things to try to, and, and it creates confusion. It creates confusion. It creates confusion. Now, here, here's where, where I really, really want to draw down because Paul says, uh, y'all turn to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to what? Pervert the gospel. Pervert the gospel. No, he, he says pervert it. And, 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 and you got to do a whole lot to pervert the gospel. In other words, you're trying to throw people into major confusion. And unfortunately, that's what's taking place in today's time and culture. As a matter of fact, when we look at the idea of perverting the gospel, it's more than just confusing people or complicating things. It's really meaning to turn them back or make them go in the opposite direction. And Paul says that basically anyone that does that they need to be accursed or they need to be cursed. Basically what Paul is saying is anyone that does that need to go to hell. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that does that need to go to hell. So, so, so let, 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 let me tell you how, how that looks in today's culture and how we have to be on guard. Because when Paul talks about perverting the gospel. Some is so in your face, you just know, you know, you crazy. I ain't doing that. But others is a little bit more subtle. And if you don't know the word, you got to be careful. So, so this is how the enemy works. First of all, he'll weaken the gospel. He'll undermine the, the foundation of believing in Jesus Christ and faith in him. So, so there are some people who say, well, the Bible ain't true. Resurrection is a myth. That is the core of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the core of the gospel. That there are those who say that they will dilute the gospel, um, saying that you know we shouldn't be making absolute moral claims, and there's no such thing as absolute truth. Okay, so in that particular vein, what winds up happening is. They would take what God has said is wrong and say that's right and take what God has said right and say that's wrong. Okay, so they dilute the gospel when it comes to morality. There, there are others who distort the gospel or misrepresent the Bible trying to make it more palatable to the culture. 
So, so they'll say, well, you know, that only applied to the folks during the biblical times. That doesn't apply to us now. <laughs> then there are others who try to blend the gospel or syn syncretize it uh, with other religions. So, so I'll take a little Jesus here, mix it with a little Islam there, throw in some Buddha here, and maybe have some Rastafarian where I can smoke some weed. That's blending the gospel. And, and that doesn't work either. And then there are those who will poison the gospel, lie in their teaching. And when you don't know, when you don't know the word for yourself, when you don't know the word for yourself, what winds up happening is you'll believe the, the poison. And then there are those who, who will deflect. Uh, uh, they just try to focus on some key words and not take the whole scripture as far as the word of God is concerned. So basically Paul is saying, if I do it, curse me. Even if an angel from heaven do it, curse him. If we preach any other gospel, and you know what that other gospel is? Any other gospel that denies the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ that is not grounded in liberation, you need to kick that to the curb. You need to kick it to the curb. False gospel. You don't, you don't obey the law to get saved. You don't treat the death of Jesus Christ as meaning nothing. You don't try to find favor with God by giving tithes and offerings and reading your Bible. Instead. No, 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 no. God gives you salvation by grace alone. You do the service to the kingdom. You do the work of ministry. You give generously because you're saved. Yes, Jamie, that includes the prosperity gospel, which is not a gospel at all. It's a false gospel. Let me wrap this thing up because my time is up. So Paul, basically, some folks consider Paul to be narrow-minded. He said, do I please God or men? He said, if I try to please men, I'm not serving Christ. He'll let you know that when you get serious about God, it's not about trying to please men or women. It's about ultimately pleasing God. Okay, so when we talk about uh, uh, pleasing God, Paul is really going back to the idea and the aspect of his apostolic calling and his connection to Jesus Christ. So Ms. Karen said, what was Paul referring to when he said he was also seen by me? Talking about the road to Damascus. It's talking about the road to Damascus when, when Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, saw the vision of Jesus where basically he went blind for, for, for uh, a little while. Okay. So let me close this out uh, because the Judaizers had infiltrated the churches in Galatia, told them that if you want to... Uh, really be saved and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you've got to keep the law. But Paul is like, no, you don't have to keep the law in order to be saved. Don't believe that. 
God has already saved you by your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And whatever you do for the sake of the kingdom, whatever you do as far as generosity, whatever you do as far as ministry, whatever you do as far as church attendance, whatever you do as far as loving your neighbor, whatever you do as far as helping those who are disenfranchised and marginalized and need liberation, whatever you do as far as lifting up a bow down head, whatever you do as far as encouraging somebody else, whatever you do, be it sending a card to somebody that needs to be uplifted, as far as sending a text message to somebody who may be going through, whatever you do, you do it not to get saved, you do it because you are saved. I preach the gospel because I'm saved. I give my tithes and offerings and above uh, 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 my tithes because I'm saved. I try to treat people right because I'm saved. I try to be a better person because I'm saved. I don't do that stuff trying to get saved because I can't, that stuff can't save me in and of myself. I do that because I am saved and day by day, piece by piece, I'm progressing to become what God will have for me to be. That's my time for today, for this moment. And we'll pick up next week at verse 11 through the end of this chapter. So before I go, let me see if there are any questions that anyone has as far as the chat is concerned. Uh, want to see if there are any questions uh, as far as that's concerned. All right. Um, if not, before I ask for the offering. Let me just remind us, I mentioned earlier, bad weather is coming on Sunday. We will not have in-person worship Sunday morning. We're going to have in-person worship Saturday night at 7 o'clock um, here at the church. In-person worship will be Saturday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. We will not have in-person worship on Sunday morning because the potential for snow but even more so ice is coming our way so if you want to join us in person on Saturday night do what we normally would do as far as registering and coming have a surgical mask when you come um, and uh, we're going to worship the Lord Saturday night in person, uh, but we will not be here on Sunday morning uh, for uh, safety and security purposes, especially when it comes to the weather. But listen, I hope and pray you all have been blessed by this sharing. You can, at this particular moment, give if you so desire. And there are three ways you can give. You can drop off check or money order here at the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205, or you can... Um, uh, mail your, your check or money order to the church at, uh, at that address or drop it off money, check or cash, um, check money order or cash. I'm getting all confused uh, here at the church. Just call the church office and make sure someone is here to receive that offering at 704-334-5309. You can also give through church life or through ACS as far as giving is concerned. And then you can also give through the app called Giveify. So if you feel led to give, uh, at this particular moment for uh, Bible study, uh, 
my prayer is the Lord will bless you and empower you. Uh, and we don't give trying to gain God's favor. We give because the Lord has already demonstrated favor because God has saved us from our sins. I pray that you all will join us uh, either Saturday night in person or online, in person or online for our worship experience. You all should be seeing uh, things popping up on social media as well as receiving phone call, text message, or email about this service uh, that we're making this shift to make sure that we're good and safe and uh, can uh, worship the Lord in person. Let's close out in prayer and uh, I bid you all adieu. God, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word. We pray right now, God, that uh, you would empower us to take this word to our heart. Help us to understand, oh God, that we don't do what we do trying to gain your favor or to get saved. We do that because you have saved us from our sin. You sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And God, we so thank you for that. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Help us to be better disciples for you and demonstrate not only what you have done in our lives, but uh, show others how you can make a difference in their lives. God, dismiss us from this moment, uh, never from your presence. Keep us in your care. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, God bless you all. Thank you all for uh, joining us and may heaven smile upon you all. Be blessed.